Hey everyone, this is Sam Culpepper bringing you the Culpepper Chronicles, where myself and special guests hope to bring you, the listener, more information in regards to self-sufficiency, fieldcraft, survival, marksmanship, gear, and theory with the aids of not only personal experience and opinion, but historical and technical documentation as well. All in the hopes to better prepare you for impending collapse and hard times to come. Now, pull up a seat and let's get down to it. This is Sam coming to you with episode four of season two of the Culpeper Chronicles. Case for the Scatter Gap. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, uh, I wanted to do something kind of new, and that is give you an idea of the upcoming episodes I plan to do. That way, if there are any questions or uh, comments or anything that specifically you'd like me to touch on, if I am qualified enough to touch on it, I will. Uh, so tonight is about shotguns. Uh, the next podcast will be uh, armor and you going over different armor options uh, to expand upon the kit considerations uh, that I've talked about in the past Uh, I will do uh, EDC uh, everyday carry and and kind of all that entails with that and my thoughts on that Uh, and then lastly would be handgun primary not secondary and talking about as far as Uh, civilian use you're much more likely to be using a handgun as opposed to a rifle in today's context uh, as opposed to like end stage guerrilla warfare type things so now that's out there let's go ahead and get into it Uh, i want to set the stage with a a mind exercise of sorts i want you to think about it is the uh mid to early 1700s maybe late 1700s uh you are a american on the frontier this is pre-american war for independence and you have got the duty of defending your family from ne'er-do-well native americans or uh bandits or anything else that could come along maybe other uh frontiersmen that have not had quite a good life and they just want an easy way in and out so you are not only farming and hunting but you have to protect your family and you have a very limited income Uh, you only have basically what you've saved up and what you've traded for and you can only really have one firearm at the time for your house so would you opt for and granted Technology-wise, it wasn't necessarily available. A rifled option where you have a very specific projectile. Or would you look for something uh, that was known as a smoothbore or fowler that could fire not only shot but round ball, thus giving you more options? I would wager, and historically, it's been proven that most would choose for something like a smoothbore or fowler. Uh, We didn't really have rifled barrel options until we had a lot of uh, Germanic technology that came over uh the germans were really prevalent with the rifled uh, jaeger rifles and things like that and uh until we had that we basically only had smoothbore fowlers or muskets and that's what they used and realistically it's a very valid option for today so if you are someone who's listening and you are on a fixed income you're maybe you're the the head of a multi-faceted household 
uh, it's you, your wife, you've got seven kids, uh, you're coming around to the idea that, hey, you need to prepare. And obviously something that we all tend to focus on and harp on, and even though it's minor in the grand scheme of things, is a firearm for defense. So you only have so much money to go towards this because you're having to spread your income towards other things as well. And you can really only get maybe a long gun and a handgun or maybe just a long gun for right now. What should you pick? Well, the vast majority of people will tell you, oh, well, you need an AR-15. You've got to have an AR-15 or an AK-47 or something like that because you've got to defend yourself against, you know, hundreds of individuals. Realistically, I think the better option would be something like a scattergat or a street howitzer or a trench cleaner or, you know, a hand cannon, whatever you want to call it. A shotgun is a good option. So let's go ahead and dive into the pros and cons of both. And we'll, we'll expound upon those as we go and see if this might be a good option for you. So we'll go pros first and then we'll go cons and, and we'll take it from there. One of the biggest pros, in my opinion, is the versatility of something like a shotgun. So even modern pump shotguns or auto-loading shotguns, either gas or inertia-driven, they have a lot of versatility in that they can fire multiple projectile types. As long as the barrel supports it, anyways, um, because there are some issues with uh, barrel diameter choke size, uh, whether the barrel is built for a choke size or if you have interchangeable chokes, uh, and doing things like slugs. That's really your biggest, your biggest issue is slugs with that. Um, that being said, you have bird shot, you have uh, turkey shot, you've got buck shot, you've got varying grades of buck shot, you have varying grades of all those other shots. You can do slugs. Uh, there are less lethal options if that's something you want to dive into. You know, there's less lethal sabots and uh, beanbag rounds and just loud flash or uh, concussion type rounds. Uh, there's the stupid things like dragon's breath and all that that looks super cool, but you're just going to probably burn your house down with it anyways. Um, there's flechette rounds if you can build it or make it. You can even, I mean, I know people who make spark plug rounds and all kinds of just crazy things. The shotgun is a very versatile option when it comes to ammo type. Uh, the reason for that being is you can do so many things with a shotgun. Uh, if you look at it from a hunting aspect, you can literally hunt rabbit, squirrel, turkey, uh, dove, any game bird for that matter, uh, deer, bear, hog, elk. I mean, you can pretty much run the gamut with a 12-gauge shotgun. And the reason for that is the fact that it's a smooth barrel. It's not rifle-dependent. Um, you can do different loads. You can, you can tailor the loads for your needs. You can even be squirrel hunting during deer season and, uh, or, you know, because you've tagged out or whatever, or deer hunting and squirrel season's still in. And maybe it's been, you know, a bad day for deer, but there's a couple squirrel chattering along the tree up above you. Uh, you could switch from buckshot to birdshot and now you've got a couple squirrels for the pot. There just is a lot of options when it comes to it. Um, not only with the ammo aspect, but the barrel length and design aspects. So I have a older shotgun that was given to me. It's a older uh, 870 Wingmaster. I think it might be an express model. I'd have to look. I think it's, I think this is pre-express though. Uh, and I have three, maybe four different barrels for it. 
um, because this was pre-interchangeable chokes. So I've got like an 18 and a half inch improved cylinder. Uh, I've got like a 20 inch cylinder bore that's bead side. I've got a 24 or 26 inch full choke barrel that I use for, uh, or used anyways for, for geese and duck. I used it for trap mostly uh, when I shot trap competition. And uh, I will use it if I'm dove hunting a lot too, to really reach out and touch. Uh, and I want to get a, uh, a rifle-sided cylinder bore. That way I have a little bit better uh, zeroing capabilities for slugs and have that as another barrel option as well. So that is kind of the older way of doing things. Now we have interchangeable chokes. So you can have one gun with like five different chokes and tailor those chokes to what you're doing. And for anyone who doesn't know, a choke literally is... It's just like the name sounds. You are choking down on the tightness at the muzzle of the shotgun to improve the pattern size. Um, and that's what that is. So it runs from improved, it, improved, it moves from cylinder to improved cylinder to like um, there's weird modifieds and there's full uh, yeah, as far as tightness goes. So like you could use a full choke to get the tightest pattern possible if you're having to reach out and hit uh, game birds at distance or squirrels at distance or if you had like if you're running a, a 18 and a half inch or 20 inch barrel that had interchangeable chokes you could do the full choke for that and then when it came time to come home and it now has to fall into the de facto home defense role you could switch it out to like an improved or an improved cylinder and open up that pattern uh to give you a little bit better shot displacement so there's a lot of versatility in that there's also different gauges 20 gauge 410 16 10 uh, all of those fall in there. In my opinion, the 12 gauge is probably the most versatile and the best bang for your buck if you're just going to buy it, which leads us into cost. So cost for shotguns also, it's going to depend on when you're listening to this. Gun prices are stupid right now, but there was a, a time not too long ago when you could go in just any gun shop and walk out with a relatively well taken care of Remington 870 or Mossberg 500 for 250 to $300. When you compare that to the cost of something like an AR-15 or an AK, which is anywhere from you know 900 to 1500 for a good base model, it's pretty appealing. You can't you can't deny that. At that point, if you had the money, like you were going to just get an AR-15, you could get three or four shotguns for the house, and like if you had four sons, you could arm all four of them, and in including yourself for the price of an AR. Uh, I haven't really been looking at prices of shotguns lately. They they may be just absolutely absurd right now like everything else is. But you can still, if you have a good gun shop that's not gouging people, still get them, I'm sure, for under $500. Uh, so that is a big pro for them. Uh, the cost is definitely there. The availability is there. I mean, you can walk into a Walmart as long as you live in an area that is rel relatively pro-2A and sports hunting you can walk into a Walmart or any other chain sporting goods place and find a shotgun. It may not be the most latest, greatest tactical model, but I bet you can walk in and find a, a mossy oak camo turkey gun and buy it for, you know, a relatively good price. Buy a couple boxes of ammo off the shelf because nobody's, I, I was looking at ammo the other day and there was an absolute ton of game loads and turkey loads and buckshot on the shelf compared to everything else. Um, you you can walk out and feel pretty confident with a decent setup in that regards. So the availability is there. It 
at least especially in my area, there seems to be everyone's got a shotgun. If you have anyone who says, hey, I've got a gun, chances are it's a shotgun because they're a really good starter gun and they're very versatile. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got to drink real quick. <clears throat> so um, with that availability, you have the variable models. So there are youth models which have shorter stocks, which are better for, you know, as they say, youth or smaller statured individuals or uh, women. They just tend to have a shorter stock. A lot of men actually will benefit from a shorter stock. They don't realize that they think they have to have like a, you know, two foot long or 18 inch long uh, butt stock on them. And they don't. Uh, you actually benefit from a shorter stock. That all comes down to technique and use. Um, but you can actually get a little bit better uh, recoil control out of a shorter stock because you don't <clears throat> tend to blade as much. Um, there's hunting models, there's defensive models. You can pick up just your run-of-the-mill Woodstock 870 or uh, Mossberg 500 or 590 and be okay with that. You don't have to necessarily shell out for the latest and greatest tactical model if that's not something you're necessarily gearing towards because you can either pick up an, an additional barrel that's a like an 18 and a half inch built full or built improved cylinder barrel and just swap your barrels out for for whenever you need different rolls or you can just buy another shotgun buy a hunting model and a tactical model and if anything if you get stopped with a, tac a uh, hunting model you can probably play it off to someone that you're out hunting or you're out scouting for hunting and generally be okay at least in my area it's just not as much of a fire alarm buzz thing for when someone pulls you over for them to see you know, an old beat-up 12-gauge sitting leaned up in the seat or in the rifle rack or something like that as compared to an AR or an AK or a SCAR or an, a FOWL or anything like that. Um, there's a pretty good amount of aftermarket support as long as you stick with a Remington 870, a Mossberg 500, or a Mossberg 590. Uh, there is decent aftermarket support currently for uh, the uh, Beretta... 1301s and the Benelli M4s if you want an autoloader. The 1100s from Remington, there's a okay bit of aftermarket support, but none of your real name brand folks are doing a lot for them, it seems. Um, <clears throat> Mossberg has, I think it's the 930, which is their autoloader, and I don't know if it's inertia or gas. I'm, I'm unsure, uh, but there's a lot of aftermarket support, it seems, for the uh, gun games side of stuff. There's a lot of uh, three gunners that are using them because they're a pretty good entry level, lower cost auto loader that they can just sink a ton of aftermarket into and really dial into them. So the 930s are decent with that. But in my opinion, you're better off uh, for the most part if you're looking for a multi-roll shotgun with something like a, a Remington 870 or a 500 or 590 from, from Mossberg. Now, if you are talking strictly defensive, if, I, if someone said, hey, what defensive shotgun would you buy? And that's the only role it's going to play. It's going to be something like a Beretta uh, 1301. Simply because an autoloader is easier to keep running. You don't have to worry about uh, manipulating the pump on the shotgun in order to keep uh, rounds going forward. You just have to worry about feeding it. There are some nuances to autoloaders um, compared to pumps, but if I was talking specifically for defensive action, if I had to pick one, it would be most likely the Beretta 1301, and it would ideally be something like the Langdon Tactical model. If you just had to say, hey, you get one for free, pick it, that's going to be it. 
I have grown up with 870s and 500s and 590s. I feel pretty confident running them. I've ran them in drills. I've hunted with them. I can keep them pretty well fed. Um, I've, I have yet to short stroke the pump on one. Now, that doesn't mean anything. It could just mean that I haven't ran it hard enough. But, you know, that is a possibility. Um, but aftermarket support is out there for those. Now, with everything, there's cons. The biggest con, or the two biggest, I guess I should say, is capacity and recoil. So if you have a small statured person or a younger individual or most of your petite women, they are not typically going to handle the recoil of a shotgun well unless it's a autoloader that's inertia or gas because they tend to take a little bit of the recoil out of it because of the design. A pump shotgun is just going to smack them a little bit harder because most people don't have the technique to get behind the gun and not blade off and get the shotgun placed where it needs to be um, in not necessarily the pocket of your shoulder but up into your chest area and keep it there during recoil. They just haven't trained on them so everybody talks about the recoil of them. Now they are not going to knock you square on your butt as long as you're not doing some weird stance where you're not loading forward. As long as you are loading your weight forward, you're not going to get knocked around. The recoil is manageable. Don't feel like it's going to just beat you to death. It's nothing crazy, but there is that stigma of recoil behind them, and it's for good reason. Um, if you are wanting to train, learn on birdshot, lightweight birdshot, and then move into buckshot and get familiar with it. Get familiar with the nuances and, and the the running of the gun with birdshot, which is a lot of recoiling around before you get into buckshot. And just understand that you have a pretty hefty load coming out of that. It's going to have recoil behind it because of that, because of how it's designed. The capacity issue, regardless of what you do, unless you have an extended magazine tube that extends past the barrel length, usually you're looking at anywhere between six to eight rounds on board. That is pretty puny compared to something like an AR or an AK or a foul or something that's going to have 20 to 30 rounds on board. Now, the trade-off to that is that you are delivering a payload with every trigger pull as opposed to a singular round excluding slugs or sabots. The, the thing with capacity to circumvent that is you have to constantly be feeding the gun. So just keep that in mind. Work reloads. You may not have to work reloads with a handgun super often. You may not have to work reloads with a rifle super often. Work reloads with a shotgun. Get used to feeding that beast because it's going to be needing it. It's going to be hungry. Every time you pull that trigger, it, it's taken a round out of that, and you are going from 8 to 6 to 5 to 4 to 3. You need to get good at feeding that thing from a side saddle or from your pocket or something and just make sure you know how to keep that thing running. As long as you can do that, the capacity is less of an issue, um, especially because you're delivering a payload, like I said. So when you compare, if you, if you take a, the trigger pull of a rifle, you are firing a singular round. If you take one trigger pull of a shotgun, you are firing, if we're talking buckshot like double out, you're firing nine projectiles at once. So if you can deliver that payload on target, you are delivering nine 38 caliber-ish lead bearings onto target. That is devastating. If you only deliver half of that payload because they're moving or the pattern's off or something like that, you are delivering, you know, four to five 
38 caliber bearings at one time. So with one trigger pull, you get a lot more bang for your buck, so to speak, and you're delivering more of a payload with a shotgun. So there are trade-offs when it comes to having one in terms of capacity, but you tend to gain that more when it comes to projectile type. Uh, so that leads into patterning. What I talk about patterning is who's ever, if you have not shot a shotgun or been around shotguns, they fire a pattern. Um, outside of sabots or slugs, which is a singular projectile, you have a shotgun shell that's loaded with shot, whether it's buckshot, birdshot, turkey shot, however you want to do it. And what that is is you have the casing. Everyone can pretty much imagine what a shotgun casing looks like. Inside that, you've got powder. You have then got a wad, which is kind of like a plastic cup. Um, and then inside that plastic cup is your shot. So if it's birdshot, you've got multiple projectiles. Uh, we'll talk specifically with buckshot right now because we're kind of falling into the defensive aspect when it comes to patterning. Um, you've got nine 38-ish caliber uh, lead bearings in there, lead balls, um, and then it's sealed off. So when you fire that, different ammo manufacturers load them differently. They use different proprietary components. They might use different wads. Um, so like if you had, what is it like Rio makes like a very cheap double up buck. If you compare that to something like federal flight control, which uses a better wad system that keeps the, the shot together, you're going to have less dispersion of those, of those rounds when they leave the barrel. So if you have a very tight patterning shotgun, the rounds are going to hit relatively close together depending on distance. Um, at the same distance, if you had a very loose patterning shotgun because you had an, a more open choke or you had a lower quality projectile or the shotgun just doesn't like the particular type of load you're trying, you're going to have a much more spread out shot. So you may go from a very good shooting round from your shotgun, maybe filling up a pie plate at 20 yards to maybe only half of that that you fired hitting the pie plate. So that comes into accuracy and the issue with uh, very low percentage shots. Um, by low percentage, we're talking like a hostage shot or a partially obscured target or something like that. <clears throat> you can't necessarily guarantee without having tons upon tons of trigger time with that specific shotgun and specific loads where that shot pattern is going to go. So you have to keep that in mind when it comes to a shotgun. There is a gamble to that. And... And this is kind of where the stigma and dogma that comes into shotguns comes into play because people will talk about um, just point it down the hallway and pull the trigger. It's going to clear everything in the hallway. Um, a shotgun pattern only opens like a foot for every foot past like 10 yards or something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers on that. So if you figure in the average hallway length, it's going to be a pretty tight pattern regardless of what you're sending down the, down the hallway unless you have just no barrel length and a just crap load coming out of it it's going to have a pretty tight pattern you're going to have to be able to aim with it <clears throat> if you don't aim with it and you just blast it along in the hallway chances are you're not going to hit anything so you have to you have to kind of keep that in mind the best thing to do is when you pick a shotgun pick a couple of different loads buy a box of five of each buckshot or however you want to do it go to the range set up a target at 20 yards or 25 yards and just shoot it shoot each load compare what accuracy you get out of them note which ones are more accurate which ones are less accurate 
and make a decision on what you need given the context of distance that you may actually have to engage a threat with that shotgun. And that's the best way to go about doing it. That is called patterning a shotgun. It's the same thing if you were looking at it for hunting. Um, most people won't do that with like game shot. If you're hunting birds or squirrels or something like that, they don't mess with it too much. If you're looking at it for hunting uh, deer and you're using buckshot, I highly suggest you do the exact same thing. The good news is if you're using the exact same shotgun, both for home defense and uh, hunting, and you're not going to be changing the barrel or the choke or anything like that, um, once you get a good load for defensive, you're most likely going to have an equally good load for hunting and you don't have to change anything up. Um, if you are someone who has like a turkey gun and you're trying turkey shot, same deal, pattern it, see what's going to work best for you. <clears throat> so, um, the next con is, uh, ammo sensitivity that typically comes into auto loaders. Um, they don't want light shells a lot of the time. So you'll have like people will talk about high brass or low brass. That's the amount of brass that's on the casing. Typically a low brass shell is lighter. Sometimes they won't pick up that shell uh, when it comes out of the feed tube into the feed tray to be loaded back into the shotgun. The shotgun doesn't necessarily sense it. Um, and depending on the design, it's not going to pick up that shell to load it. And that's when you get into feeding issues. Typically it's from an auto loader because a pump just tends to eat everything <clears throat> until it falls apart. Um, we talked about accuracy and uh, the issues that you can have with that. And my suggestion is to pattern, uh, go out and test your stuff, know what you're dealing with. Don't just grab a shotgun, grab whatever cheapest ammo you find and just assume you're good. You need to know, just like you zero a rifle or zero a handgun, you need to zero a shotgun. You need to know because you have to have accountability for your rounds when they leave that barrel. Uh, weight. So that is both the gun and the ammo. There are ways, it's not like it's a 20 pound anchor, but when you look at like an AR-15 that's six pounds at its base without adding anything to it, a shotgun is like 10 to 12 pounds at its base without anything adding to it. Um, depending on the model that you go with, uh, you know, wood's going to weigh heavier than polymer. Um, there are different ways to go around decreasing the weight. Um, if you add optics and a lot, like, you know, at least a lot, everyone should have a lot on it. It's for home defense situations. Uh, that's going to add weight to it as well. So keep in mind that you're going to have to have a little bit more physical stamina to keep the gun up and moving. Um, ammo, the, and that's more of a, a quantity to, do what, to weight ratio. All ammo weighs, but if you take like a shotgun shell and compare it to a 5.56, it takes, you know, five or six, 5.56 rounds to equal the weight of one shotgun shell. I mean, that's just guessing. I don't really know. I've never tried weighing it. Uh, so with that being said, <clears throat> If you were to carry equal amounts of ammo, it's going to weigh a ton more to carry shotgun rounds than it is for like a rifle or a handgun round, as well as size. They're going to take up more space. So if you've seen a box of 25 shotgun shells and you compare it to a box of 20 rifle, like 5.56 five, rounds, you know, it's like a quarter the size dealing with 5.56 five, than is with, you know, a shotgun. So that, that all comes into your load bearing kit. If you're throwing stuff in your pocket, if you're keeping it in your pack, if you're just stacking it up, you know, near your safe or whatever, it's going to take up more room. Um, <clears throat> last con I want to talk about is training intensity. And then I want to get into some of the, the stigma and dogma behind the shotguns. I've touched on it a little bit. Um, a shotgun is going to be much more training intensive to know 
that you can run it under stress. You've got to keep on top of it. You've got to understand how to feed it. You've got to understand the nuances of loading it. Um, you've got to understand how to not short stroke it uh, if it's a pump. You have to learn all these things, and the only way to do that is to at least do dry practice, but preferably live practice with it, to understand what you're dealing with because they are like they're a gentleman's gun, if you can think about it like that. You, you are not going to pick up a shotgun and throw it in the rack and assume that it's going to work every time, no matter what, no matter what condition it's in, um, because you've never tried it. You can't do that. It's not like a Glock where you can sit there and load up a bunch of mags and leave them sitting there, and you've got a pretty good assumption that because you've done a little bit of dry practice, it, it's easy. Um, it's easier with a handgun. It's easier with a rifle um, to keep them running because you're not having to feed them as much. You, you've got to get the time in for that, as well as recoil management, shot positioning, um, knowing what your patterns are going to be, knowing what different rounds are going to do. Like maybe you can't always stock your favorite round that your shotgun locks, so you need to practice with other rounds too to understand what you're getting into with shot patterning with things like that. They're just more training in, in, intensive. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, it is under the cons because a lot of people don't have time for it. But if anything, it's also a pro because you're getting more new, uh, more used to the nuances of your shotgun and you're just going to be that much more effective with it. Uh, so lastly, before I kind of close up uh, the podcast on this, it's the stigma dogma behind shotguns. Uh, you have the, oh, it's going to knock you on your butt because of the recoil. Um, it's not, I've talked about that as long as you're doing, you know, proper procedure. If you look at like SimTac consulting and them, they've got a ton of good info out on recoil management. Sentinel concepts does as well. Steve, Steve's a good dude, big scattergat fan. Um, he's a, he's a good source of knowledge for that. Um, the, just rack it and they'll run away. If you are sitting there banking on racking your shotgun, um, and the criminal or whoever is going to just run away because they hear you have a shotgun, you're just dead nuts wrong. Most likely they're going to say, okay, I don't know where you are, and it's a much more you know, unfair game of hide-and-seek at that point. Um, blast it down the hallway, and you're going to hit whatever. I just talked about that. Shotguns, unless you have literally like a sawed-off barrel that has like eight inches before the pattern leaves the barrel, it's not going to open up that much down the typical American home hallway. It's not. It, it may be like the size of a pie plate at the end of the hallway. That would be an, a very wide patterning at that distance. So you have to understand that you're not going to just blast it down the hallway and clear the hallway and everything's going to be hunky-dory. You've got to aim. You've got to understand how to run, run that shotgun. There are other things that come with them, but realistically, those are the biggest ones that always seem to come up. So, to close with the case for the sh- for the shotgun or the case for the scatter gap, as long as you understand the limitations, just like it is with any firearm, shotguns are a great either addition or main choice for today's. Uh, I don't want to say prepper, but today's person who is becoming more self-aware of the situation and wanting to prepare more. Uh, If you're Joe Schmo trying to protect your family and you want something that is not only going to protect your family but put food on your table if you need it to, shotguns are a great option. If you are someone who already has a rifle and has never really experienced anything with a shotgun, pick up a shotgun. 
it's it's another tool in the toolbox. It's going to benefit you in some way, shape, fashion, or form at some point. If anything, you can hand it off to somebody who knows how to use a shotgun. Um, if they're on your team or in your home or a family member or whatever, and now you've plussed up your fire team because someone's got a shotgun and they can at least watch your back with it. Um, there's just a lot of good things for them. As long as you understand the negative aspects, just like with anything else, prepare for them, train through them, get used to them, and capitalize on the pros of the platform you've got a very very capable typically low cost typically low maintenance firearm that you can not only defend yourself and your family with but put food on the table um, as well as defend others with so like I said does everyone have to have a shotgun I'm gonna say yeah if you don't at least have one you need you need to be thinking about as long as it's within the budget picking up one uh, to have at the home for hunting at the very least or for a handoff or for a backup weapon. I'm just going to say it. There's a lot of people who say, oh, no, there's no point in having them around. I disagree. I've kind of talked about that. Uh, you're welcome to message me, and we can talk more on that if you'd like. Um, but I'm going to say that, that you don't necessarily have to have one, but I highly suggest you get one is, is how I'll put that. So anyways, guys, that was uh, Scattergats. We've talked about that. The next podcast is going to be Armor and You, and I look forward to doing that as well. Um, as always, God be with you and your families, and take it easy.